This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. You're listening to the West Amway podcast with Dave and X. Oi, oi. Hello and welcome to the West Ham Way podcast with myself, Dave Walker, and XWHU employee. This week we reflect on a desperately needed win against Southampton, a first goal for Naya for Gwerd, Danny Ings not fitting the system, Paqueta putting in a shift, and whether we should replace David Moyes after a win with Brendan Rodgers and Graham Potter both now being available before getting news from X and answering questions from patrons of the West Ham Way. Ex-Mad Dog described the Southampton game as a seven-pointer. We had to win, and we did. Give us your thoughts on the result and the performance. Uh, let's start with the result first, because I think the two of them are separate, if I'm honest with you. So the result is a very, very good result, as Martin said. Six, seven points, or whatever you want to call it. Massively important. We had to win that game. Obviously, if we didn't win that game, we'd have been in more of the shit than we are anyway. Um, we could have, if we'd lost it, we'd have been bottom of the league. So the the result for me is all that matters, of course. It would have been better if it was a convincing win, if we won by more than one goal and we played better and so on. But for me, fundamentally, we had to get three points out of that game and we did. So it was a good day in that regard. Yeah, yeah. And a performance? Not as good as the, the result in, in the sense that I thought we were nervy. I mean, the first 15 minutes we were really quite negative at times. I thought Ben Rama, I don't know why he usually plays out of it. Like he's usually a very attacking player, but he seems to keep wanting to turn back on himself, as did all the players. So I think they're obviously under instructions not to concede early and to not to give the ball away in stupid places. And that showed. Um, I didn't think it was the most convincing of performances. I thought probably on the balance of play, we might have just shaded it, but um, only just. There were some decent individual performances. There were some 
very poor individual performances. Um, so it wasn't our greatest performance, but in games like that, when there's so much pressure, sometimes that can happen. So ultimately, I'm going to see as a positive that we got the result and the performances will hopefully come when we've got a bit more breathing space. But ultimately, we had to get the result and we did. Yeah. I mean, if we are to keep David Moyes until the end of the season, then I think we've just got to accept that the football's going to be shit. I don't, I don't see how his philosophy is going to change at this time of his career at this point of the season. And I think we just all have to hope that we can get result. And, um, I said recently that despite his poor management, and I think consistently we do see his poor management, luckily we've got the players that will get the odd result. And that's why in this whole will we go down, won't we? I do think we'll have enough because we've got enough quality in the squad that can squeeze us past the line. I mean, you look at Southampton, um, and I was expecting a bit of a tougher game, actually, but I thought both teams were, were quite poor. I actually thought, up until the goal, that they were the better side, to be honest. I looked at the performance mm-hmm. from us, and I thought that we lacked energy, we were flat. I think pretty much throughout the game, we lacked imagination. There was no real spark, no creativity. Um, and I just, I just watched it and I thought, you know, this is, this is a shit game of football, this. So it's, it's not great. It's not great. We've played bottom of the league, uh, in a game that really we could have taken that opportunity to give the fans a lift. And it sounded like we needed a lift in that stadium. But I just, uh, for me, we just sort of crept past the line again. And it is again a concern, really, because when we come up against bigger and better clubs and we will do, I think we could struggle. But, Having said that, ultimately, and you're absolutely right, all that matters at this point is the result. And with this season, it's all about staying in the Premier League and you need to win your must-win games. And Christ almighty, Southampton was a must-win game. But on a positive note, a first goal in Claret and Blue for Nyford Gwerd. He took it well, didn't he? Yeah, he did. It was a really good header. Really good. Had a good delivery from Kara, who I actually thought had a better game today. Like when I announced the team, um, for the match, uh, so many people go, why is he playing? Why is he playing? But I actually thought he played all right. And I thought Aguerd was really good. Like you say, it was a really good header. It was quite a long way out and he got decent power on it and, uh, good placement as well. And his overall game was brilliant as well. He got man of the match, not on our patron. Piquetta or Pacata got it on our patron, which I actually agree with as well because I thought he was very good but he got the official Man of the Match award on the West Ham website and I think that was deserved I thought he played brilliantly very classy as always a good goal um, and yeah he's he's a, gr- a great player and I know like you know I've sort of been excusing Moyes and stuff but I do believe having a, a centre-back partnership of Aguerd and Zuma which we've obviously only had a couple of times this season and it's not a surprise I think we've won a couple of games we might play what three games with them I'm doing this off the top of my head and won two of them with them as a sense back partnership and I think that I think that's really important going forward because I think they complement each other well they seem to be friends as well like over over the international break because it was Eid and happy Eid to all of those that celebrate it those two do and they were sort of exchanging messages and photos with each other so they seem to have a really good relationship with both French speaking as well um, so I think it's um, good positive for us and yeah I thought Aguerd was was the second best player I thought Packard was the best and I thought Aguerd was a close second and I thought he played really well 
Yeah, I think you make a good point about the partnership and the friendship between him and Zuma. And neither of them like cats either, apparently. Um, yeah. Which uh, is, 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 it was a good icebreaker when I came to the club, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> they just um, kicked a cat around in the, in, the, in the training ground for a bit. Bit of team bonding. <laughs> yeah, apparently murdering strays is a bit of a pastime for both of them. How the hell did VAR take that long to allow that goal? Well, do you know that what, was mate? fucking ridiculous, X, wasn't it? Do you know what, mate? I haven't actually seen the replay, so I don't know what they were dilemmering. But all I do know is that I was obviously in the ground at, um, at that time waiting, was it three minutes then, to make a decision on something? And it's just ludicrous. Like, regardless of how tight it was, and as I say, I've not even seen what they were looking at, regardless of how tight it was, it surely can be resolved quicker than three minutes. And the, the, the motto or the line is meant to be if um, the VAR only intervenes when there's a, a you know a serious element of doubt to the decision so mm. so there can't have been um you know uh it, it can't have been i was gonna say what's my point gonna be um <laughs> Uh, like, you know, it wasn't obvious. Yeah, so why they spent so long? Yeah. yeah, that's it. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, why are they? Because it wasn't obvious. Why are they spending so long? They just should go with the decision on the pitch if it's not obvious. Yeah, I know it's ridiculous. Well, I have seen the replays, and I did see what they were reviewing. And mate, honestly, they must have. And I'm not joking or exaggerating when I say this. They must have been deliberating whether his fingertip was offside. His, his, his hand it's not giving a tip though no no but uh, I thought it had to be you can only your position you can only be um offside if it's a part of your body you can score well unless I was a few rum and cokes down and I was looking at a different <laughs> player which to be fair is a possibility um, <laughs> I, I couldn't see what what was taking so long I mean I looked at Aguerd and I thought looking at his body position the way he's running for the ball his arm is outstretched and there was literally a fingertips difference between him and, and the last defender. I, I couldn't understand it, mate. And it's just, again, with VAR, I, I think it took up to about three minutes, X. And it's just, it's just, it's, it's shit, isn't it? Let's be honest. It's, uh, it is, it's yeah. shit. It um, needs to and be I also, I know we made this point before as well, but I genuinely don't know how linesmen have a job. I don't no. know what, what the purpose of a linesman is anymore. No. What is the point? The referee makes a call. If he needs help, goes to VAR. Why do we have linesmen? Yeah, there is no point, I don't think. And, and you're right, like, it, it's just getting stupid now. Like, they've had years, well, not years, they've had a few years now to per- perfect it. And it sh- in no way should it take three minutes because regardless of if it comes out of the right decision 100% of the time, even if it takes that long, it completely kills the fun of the game. Like, you know, me and my dad were standing there talking to each other because I was going to go to the games with him and we were saying, like, this is just, this just spoils the moment of a goal. We're standing here for three minutes waiting to see what happens and obviously it gets confirmed as a West Ham goal so the players celebrate it again so you get two kind of half-felt <laughs> celebrations yeah. it's, just like, yeah. it's just so not what football's meant to be football's meant to be about you know, that raw emotion of getting a goal or co- that or conceding a goal or whatever it may be but if like I said, if VAR is intervening because it's a bloody obvious thing, like you know when you know Lampard scored that goal in the World Cup that was clearly over the line and it wasn't given, or things like that, when it's blatantly the wrong decision. But when it's that close, you're just gonna have to let it go. So you don't have to spend that long waiting for it. It's, in my opinion, it's obvious that that's what should happen, but. Mm. All these people that seem to be the ones that make the decisions, it's not obvious to, and I don't know why. Yeah. 
It's crazy, isn't it? I mean, you literally could have popped to Westfield for a bit of shopping and come back, and they still wouldn't have made the decision. It's well, just, I had uh, any lunch. I was, tempted, I was literally tempted to go get myself some lunch and come back, and I still would have probably eaten it and been able to sit back down again and been in the same spot as I was when I left. It's just fucking crazy, honestly. I'd be interested to get Mad Dog's take on this and, uh, yeah. and the decision as well and, and why it takes so long, because obviously he's heavily involved. And I, I'm genuinely interested, because I don't know, X, why it took so long. What were they specifically concerned about? Because I couldn't see it from a fan's perspective, so be interesting to hear what he says. Um, you talk about the players that stood out, and you've mentioned obviously Aguered and uh, and Paqueta. I thought Rice and Fabianski were very good as well, and I think it's yeah. decent out on Kara because he's come under a bit of shit. But I, I agree. I thought he was. Um, mm. I think he showed one of his more decent games, really. But do you do you think they were the standouts collectively? I think so in terms of positive play. Uh, but yeah, I think you're right to single out Fabianski and Rice as well because I think Fabianski read the game really well. There's a couple of times where they played some through balls and if he hadn't have read it well and been sharp on his feet, they would have had good goal scoring opportunities. And I thought, yeah, I thought uh, he made a good save in the first half as well. So yeah, I think yeah. that was one of Fabianski's um, good, uh, good performances recently. And you're right, I thought Declan was brilliant alongside um, Packett. I thought he read it really well. And what I tweeted yesterday, I don't know if anyone, like how many people saw it, but I, I praised Pacata Gued and I also praised Declan, not just for his performance in terms of like the actual football, but his leadership. Now, mm. I don't know how well it came across on TV because, as I said, I'm watching it at the game, so TV tends to focus on the player that's got the ball, but the amount of times Declan was going up to players off the ball, giving them instructions, telling people to calm down at the right time, getting G'ing people up. I mean, I don't know if you remember, but he made a slide tackle in the first couple of minutes that was a 50-50 ball and he won it and it went out for yeah. a throw in and all the fans around me were like Rrr! off their feet clapping him it's things like that that you yeah. need your captain to do like there was another point where I think it might have been a Gwerd maybe got the ball from Fabianski and rushed a pass a bit and Decker went over to him and told him to calm down and stuff and I really felt that there's been a lot of question marks about his leadership and whether he is the right man for the job but I, so I like purposely watched him from the game and um, to me I thought he did a really good job not just as a player but as a leader as well I can't argue that X <clears throat> you know my my stance on whether a, a player should be a captain if he wants to leave the football club I've said that numerous amount of times I just don't agree with it and yes okay there's a separate argument as to well who takes the armband and you know, it's a separate podcast, not just a separate conversation. But to be fair, I'll make you right. I think it was a captain's performance. And actually, in what was a pretty piss poor opening 15 minutes, I thought he stood out as one, the one player for me that actually looked like he did give a shit and he was up for it and he was steaming into tackles. And that's what you want from your captain. So I, I actually can't disagree with that. I can't disagree with that at all. And as you said, and uh, you were right, patrons voted for Paqueta. Uh, how do you actually say that? Is it Paqueta or Pacatar? I think it's Pacatar. The song's fucked, isn't it? Oh, the song is fucked because I think it is Pacatar because apparently it's an area of, um, if it's Rio or Sao Paulo, but it's an area of a city in Brazil. He's named after that area and that area is pronounced Pacatar. Right, okay. Well, to protect the interest of the song, I'm going to stick with Paqueta, because it doesn't <laughs> get better. Um, yeah. and, and it didn't uh, yesterday, because um, he did receive 46% of the vote. Aguerd was in second with 36%, and Fabianski was third with 6%. And that brings me just to talk a little bit more about Paqueta, because we've all been waiting for the goals, the assists, and the jaw-dropping moments of flair, but he does actually put in a shift defensively, doesn't he? 
That's been the thing I've been most impressed about, mate, is his defensive work. You know, when you, you stereotype, when you make a signing that you don't know too well, Brazilian uh, midfielder, flair player, you think, right, well, he's going to be good on the ball, have all the tricks and skills, but probably not going to be up for the fight. But it's almost been the other way round for me. Yeah. You know, I think he, he gets stuck in, he wins the ball back. I mean, it was a good stat yesterday showing how many times he'd won the ball back and um yeah he has he did a few bits of skill and he did a great through ball for Gerard Bowen as well at one point which Bowen probably should have done better with with his first touch and stuff and I think if he'd scored that people have been talking about how good the ball was but he isn't uh, he isn't your sort of stereotypical Brazilian that I thought we would get him, but actually I agree with the vote yesterday. I thought he worked really hard. He got stuck in, and it has to be said. And I know we're focusing on positives, and maybe you were going to turn to the negatives, but both him and Rice had to carry Suchek in that game. Yeah. Suchek was. A- <laughs> I hate to use this word about fellow player, and obviously I'd never tag him into this sort of stuff. And I hope he doesn't listen to the show as much as we may joke. Um, he um, he was appalling. Like he, I think he. Oh, here think, we go again. <laughs> Fuck my actual life. I'm the hammer of the heaven, you know. I'm the boss of you, man. <laughs> um, come yeah, on, was, come on, that, make it that, that, that was two years ago. We're not allowed to live on past glories if we have them. Because we're not allowed to say that. Well, Sunday's in the past, and you're fucking talking about that, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> I can't. I can't make a point when I'm arguing with him. It's just like he, he, he intimidates me. <laughs> I feel like a I feel like a nervous schoolboy when he starts talking. To me. <laughs> right, I'm gonna. I'm actually gonna shut up now. I'll, I'll go back to being Dave now because I think you, okay. I think you are about to make a point that genuinely I do agree with. So, so please continue with that. Right? <laughs> Basically, like I think I think. The stat I haven't checked it out so I could be doing the thing I always moan about but having just taken something off Twitter without checking its validity but I think he was on the pitch for like 63 minutes and he made eight passes of which 63% or I don't know if that even could be the right match but whatever it was something in the 60s um, was co- completed um, accurately to our own team and we do this thing from goal kicks now where we punt, he stands on the side, uh, on the on the byline, and we punt it towards him, and he's meant to head it on. But he just heads it up in the air, or heads it to the defender. He gave the ball away so many times. He was stunned loads of times when they were attacking. He does this thing, and I keep telling patrons this, and more and more are beginning to see it. And if you're at a game, just it's boring to watch, because obviously you can't focus on the guy that's got the ball. But if you just look at Suchek, watch the runs he makes. And now, I, I I remember when I was off form, playing, you know, we're talking like playing Sunday league football here off of my school. When I was off form, and I, I felt unconfident going into a game, I almost didn't want the ball, so I'd almost like run to where the opposite player was so that I couldn't get the ball so that, uh, but it's the same with him he's doing that how often do you watch West Ham and think give it to Suchek he's free play it to yeah. Suchek he's never mm. free and this is the difference between his first season with West Ham and this last two seasons his first season with West Ham he was free he was making late, late runs into the box. He was getting into space. He was always there at the right time. He's not doing that anymore. Now, in his defence, I thought Ward-Prowse was quiet in the first half, and it was mainly Suchek picking him up. So you could say that he did a job keeping Ward-Prowse quiet, but actually on the ball, 
And going forward, he offered next to nothing. I mean, eight mm. passes as a central midfielder in 63 minutes. I mean, I honestly think I would make more if I was in a game because all it would need is the centre to be played back to me. I might pass it to the centre-back. He might pass it back to me. Then I might pass it to the right-back. That's three passes there. You know, yeah. like it's a, it, I don't know how he can get away with these performances as much as he has all season. And especially when we've got options like Lanzini or Funhouse or Flynn Downs or even Connor Coventry we had at the start of the season or putting two up front or anything or even, you know, playing Kerr as a defensive midfielder because apparently he's played there before and done quite a good job. You know, we've got options that we don't have to play him. And I just mm. found, I find his sort of continued selection very, very bizarre. And I also think he doesn't help Danny Ings at the moment. I think Danny Ings is massively isolated. Another frustrating game for him. Moyes' comments, I don't know if you've seen them, but they're to, for me to criticize. One of my questions, Moyes. yeah. Okay, well, I'll leave that for when you say that, for that question. Then. But Ings is massively isolated at the moment, and I don't think it helps for having Suchek in midfield, being the more attacking one out of the three now, and being so ineffective. Well, do you know, I'll make a couple of points, and I totally agree, first and foremost, on Thomas. But <clears throat> if we go back to Piquetta, and this is courtesy of uh, our own Dan Woffenden, 78 touches in total, 12 ball recoveries, which was the most in the game, 10 out of 14 tackles, which was the most in the game, 2 out of 3 aerial duels won, and 2 out of 2 take-ons completed. Impressive stats, right? But whilst I respect it and appreciate it, that's not really what I want him to do. He wasn't signed necessarily to do that. And West Ham have the luxury of having a player of Declan Rice's quality who defensively is absolutely outstanding. So fundamentally, for me, the central of midfield doesn't work as it should do. Because what it should be doing is you should be having Declan Rice as your defensive midfielder, doing all things defensive, breaking up play, and then basically giving it to either Paqueta and another player who shouldn't be Thomas Suchek, and I'll come on to that in a second, to then be progressive with the ball and look positively and look to make things happen, either score or assist. That should be their job if you're playing a central three. And the reason I don't think it should be Thomas Suchek is that in possession... He's, he's a non-entity. Oh, no, no. Here we go. <laughs> not, not you. Not you. <laughs> You're the one that sticks up for me. Oh, no. What is this? <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. I've had enough on that X, but not you as well. <laughs> I do feel like a proper Judas now. <laughs> yeah. You made me feel really bad about this. Or Thomas, should I say. <laughs> um, but, but it's true. And I, and I think you agree with that because you've alluded to it yourself and I just think in that system in that central midfield there has to be the balance of defence and attack and like I say we've got the luxury of having someone like Declan who covers your defence perfectly so then let your attacking players attack and with Thomas Suchek I think we're better placed having a Lanzini or a Fornells next Mm. to Piquetta because those two players then should be instrumental in predominantly just attacking. Yes, of course, you know, as a central midfielder, you're going to have your defensive duties at times, but it shouldn't be the main focus of your role. You should be allowed uh, allowed to fly and, and unclip your wings and, and, and build attacks and, and go forward. But Thomas don't even really do that anymore. You know, he used to be arriving late in the box. I don't know because I'm not just saying this flippantly. He has had quite a few knocks to the head 
whilst playing for West Ham. I don't know if he's lost lost his confidence getting stuck in, getting mm. his head on the end of um, of corners and crosses. You could argue that the corners and crosses ain't good enough, so maybe that's why he's not coming up with the goals. But, you know, in that season where we won Hammer of the Year, he was so much more effective than he was now. But once again, I think you talk about the central midfielders, I do think the system is the problem. I think it's how you're using those players. Firstly, I don't think we're using Paqueta the way we should be. And secondly, I don't think Thomas Sutek should be starting anymore. He shouldn't have been starting for a long time and again mm. we come back to the stubbornness of David Moyes so I, I, I think that's frustrating and you, you speak about Danny Ings there as well and he looked like he was having a, the most unenjoyable game of football of his career actually and I really felt for him because as a, as a former striker myself at a much different level as you know there's nothing worse than playing the game where you're getting no service because if you don't get the service you won't get the goals and it brings me to what you alluded to now in a recent interview with David Moyes where he insinuated that he didn't know Danny Ings was a penalty box striker. Is he just taking the piss now or what? I honestly don't know, mate, because it's such a ridiculous comment. I really don't know how to defend him on that because you, either way, it's not great, is it? If he didn't know that, then what the fuck are we doing signing him? How can you not know? Well, did he how sign can... him, X? That's, well, that's, that's another that's question. A thing. That's the thing. No, he didn't. Let's put it out there. No, he didn't. No, leave it at that. I'm not going to elaborate anymore. But I think so. Was 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 that his two fingers up at the board and the world um, when it comes to Danny Ings? Is that his kind of cryptic way of saying, "Look, I didn't sign this fucking player." Was a possible statement? Was that his way of saying, "This isn't my 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 boy"? You know what I mean? Quite possibly. I mean, I'm, I don't want to go into too much detail because at the moment I don't think the club can, needs negativity and we don't need to put sensationalised stuff out um, about David Moyes to get listeners. This is not the time to say it, but I think I don't. I think it was inverted commas a, a gift. I think it was a gift to um, to uh, David Moyes, and I think he would have been signed regardless of whether they wanted to or not, which then leads on to a few other decisions that were there. I have spoke about in the past uh, that then came out around the time of Ings' signing as well, because I think it was almost inverted commas a gift to the club from the chairman. And I think that's probably like what you just said there, that I think it was probably a way of saying that because, you know, he's been a Premier League striker. I mean, he's what, 30, 31 now? It's not like he's a 21 year old. Anyone could have told you that Danny Ings isn't in the box forward. They made it very, very clear at Aston Villa. The reason that they were looking to sell him is because he couldn't play as a, a lone striker in that formation. And that's why they, they, they let him go to West Ham because they had Ollie Watkins and other forwards that they felt could lead the line better than Danny Ings. Danny Ings, as Moyes has now said, is a, like inverted commas, Fox in the box, a, a guy that gets on the end of thing, a guy that can finish and stuff. So the fact that he's saying that we didn't know that and we're only just realizing, I just can't think that that's a serious comment. He can't, he can't genuinely mean that and think that you can get away with that as a top class manager to say, oh, we're just finding out what type of player this guy is when he's been playing in the Premier League for all of his career. It's not like he's come from like, you know, the Brazilian league or something where we might not have known much about him. He's probably been scoring goals in this league now for like 11 years or something so it's just absolutely ludicrous most West Ham fans or any football fan can tell you that Danny Ings was was that type of forward so how a manager of one of 20 Premier League teams can't he can't mean that comments are like you say I think it's got to be a, a a sly way of saying he wasn't my signing I think yeah 
Well, it's the only sense you can make of it, X. Because otherwise, why would you fucking say something so stupid like that? And it depends how you look at it, right? Because you could say, well, if it wasn't David Moyes' signing, that's out of order. Because it's it's undermining the manager to bring a player in um, that the, the manager hasn't shown an interest in. You could say that. On the other hand, in my opinion, Danny Ings is a quality signing. Because he, he is a proven, tried and tested striker who knows where the goal is. But from from David Moyes' perspective, whether you wanted him or not, he obviously he obviously likes him as a player because he started him. So where he's fallen down as a manager is you've got this gift that's been given to you in a tried and tested, um, proven Premier League player. Why are you not then using him in the right way? Why have you only just... He obviously knew who Danny Ings was before he signed him. It's not as if I fucking turned up at the training ground. So no, 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 I mean, who's signing David Sullivan. You probably would have actually played better. That's <laughs> 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 well, well, Maybe, maybe. But um, you've, you've got this gift. Why are you not showing the managerial nous and experience and quality that most managers would show to then be able to use him in the right way. Whether you, whether you wanted him or not, you've got him and you've started him. So you obviously want him now. Now he's here. But he's not playing him in the right way. And this is what confuses me. I mean, I, I don't know if you're going to cover the absolute mystery of Skamaker um, yeah, um, going up and then fucking going home. So we, we'll, we'll save that yeah. for your section. But for me, I think Danny Ings would be much better in a two up front. And play yeah. Skamaka with Danny Ings. That makes sense. And do you know what? You could then argue, well, but then you're losing something from midfield. You're not really, because you're not currently getting anything from Thomas Suchek. Yeah, so exactly. why not take him out of the equation and play two up top? Because then you're maximising your attacking strength, because you're playing to Danny Ings' strength. And fuck me, you're actually then going to be playing your marquee signing that co- costs us an arm and a leg. So, but but um, they things X that are in my opinion common sense and I'm not a football manager so why is he not applying logic to his job it's just so strange the other thing you'd get with Skamaker as well is that you would have the height that supposedly Suchet brings as well Um, so you wouldn't be losing that by dropping Suchet I I can't answer this question because I don't know what's going through his mind because the, the thing is as well by saying that comment it's never going to look good on him. Like what? What? No, but what no. is that comment ever going to achieve? It makes him look like he doesn't know what he's doing. Like so. Yeah. So why is he? Why would you say that? I, I can't get my head around what what the logic is with saying that comment because in, in no way is that comment going to make anything look better. You know, the only thing like we like we've said is that it could be a, a subtle way of saying. Well, I didn't really sign him anyway. Um, yeah. But I mean, the best thing to be to say, even if he wants to say something along those lines, is we haven't been able. To to play to Danny Ings' strengths yet. You know, that that's basically yeah. saying the yeah. same thing, but like without making yourself sound like you don't have a clue what's going on. It's basically saying the same thing. But by saying we've only just, we didn't know him very well, we're only just working out what his strengths are, it just adds a whole new twist to a very basic <laughs> statement that makes you look like an absolute moron. I can't, I can't, I can't get my head around that. And, you know, I sit here and I try to offer Moyes some kind of defence and stuff. And, you know, we have won the game at the weekend, so there's the obvious defence and we are out the relegation zone and so on so there are obvious ones to say but when it comes to things like this I just can't I can't put a logic to it and I just think to myself why are you saying things like that it's just so stupid it's bizarre it's absolutely bizarre and there it is 
is, that's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Well, two more clubs have realised when the time is right to sack their manager. Brendan Rodgers and Graham Potter are now both available. Either of those tickle your fancy? Because you could argue, X, that if we was to replace David Moyes with either one of those tomorrow, you would be replacing him with a failed manager. Mm. It's a real difficult one because actually those two, the whole narrative has been that there's no one out of work, that it would be a you know reasonable yeah. option. Now, obviously, there are. Now, there's two. There's a guy that did brilliantly at Brighton, failed miserably at Chelsea, it has to be said, but did brilliantly at Brighton and, and previous to that. And then there's a guy through most of his career has done really well but then done poor this season. But in Brendan Rodgers' defence, I think he's had barely any money to spend. They sold um, Kasper Schmeichel, their goalkeeper, didn't they? And didn't have enough time to really replace him. And the keepers that have had Warden, Everson, don't seem anywhere near the standard of Kasper Schmeichel. Um, and they've got, you know, they've... they've um, so I think he's had a harsh season this season as well. Um, it's, it's really hard to know because... I think both of them probably at the end of the season, I think at the end of the season, if they were both still available, I would be tempted to take one of them over Moyes. And I think I'm leaning more towards Rogers out of the two of them, if I'm honest with you, um, because of the fact that he's a bit more proven and he plays attacking football. Um, and he's a bit more proven in that, you know, it wasn't a cut like a one season, two season wonder. He's been consistent for a number of seasons. No one had one bad season, really. Um, so I think I'd be more tempted by Rogers than Potter, but my my worry is if you bring them in now, I just, West Ham just have to stay. We have to stay up. It doesn't matter if we start by a goal or by fifteen points. The bottom line is we have to stay up, and the way we are at the moment, and I know not everyone agrees with me. I'm not going to go down this whole route for another show, but I think we will stay up. So then you've got the risk of. And, I'm, and it might not be a risk. You might do much better under these managers, but you've got the risk of if you bring them in, they're even worse somehow because they don't know the players and so on. And so then I think maybe it's best just to wait till the end of the season, but then it could be too late because apparently Tottenham want Rodgers and um, Leicester want Potter. So they could be gone by the time it's the end of the season. So it's a real tough dilemma, that one. Mm. I think it's a bigger dilemma as to who would you have out the two. I mean, I, I, it's for me, it's an absolute no-brainer that now these two... I mean, David Moyes should have gone a while ago, but now these two are available. I just don't think we can afford to fuck about. There are two viable options there. And obviously, I was playing devil's advocate when I threw in the foul manager term. Both of them have done very well. My, my concerns with Potter is, does he carry the respect in a dressing room full of 
egos and superstars. And we've got a few of those ourselves, by the way. You know, he done very well at Brighton. Chelsea would have been full of them. Does he carry that weight in terms of his knowledge? You know what I mean? And uh, the thing with Brighton as well, mate, is that their their recruitment is so good. They've got yeah. they've got it so well that he was given all these really good players at Brighton, which of course he would have had to have approved, but it was the team around him, which Newcastle, I think, are pretty much trying to poach and other clubs are poaching. And also when he was at Brighton, he had a squad. Now what Chelsea have said about him, and remember I know a few people in Chelsea, so I have actually spoke to someone within Chelsea's playing staff that's told me what they think of him and they think he can't manage the egos and he oh, was you go. yeah and he was constantly undermined by some of the egos in the dressing room a boy Miang being one of them um and a few other players were constantly almost taking a piss out of him because his surname was Potter I mean they called him the wizard and stuff and they were like um just basically you know a lot of them didn't really respect him because he's not achieved anything in football and what I've heard is that he struggled with the egos and he struggled with a big squad of players because obviously mm-hmm. When you've got a big squad of players, you've got unhappy players, those ones that aren't playing. Um, so that, that gives me a little bit of a doubt of him. And apparently when he was at Brighton as well, whilst they did well, they didn't score many goals. Now our problem is, I don't know if you've seen the stat, but we've, if we'd take, like in terms of that expected goals per game stat that they do now, West Ham should be seventh in the league because the amount of chances we've taken that have led, the amount of chances that we've created that have led to really good goal scoring chances, but that we haven't obviously taken the goal scoring chances. So you need a manager that's good at attacking. And they've been, then it's been said that the news of Brighton, that wasn't his strength. So I, I don't know, mate. I, 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 and as I said, a manager, he's only, you know, managed twice in the Premier League and been sacked once already. I've got my doubts over him. Whereas I, I think I'd feel more comfortable with Rogers, you know, and I think again, I'll bring mm-hmm. it stick with that, but he did, he did well as, at Swansea. Um, he did well at Liverpool. I mean, I know he lost his job at Liverpool, but that was, you know, harsh, really. I mean, he got them second in the league and nearly he was the manager when Gerard slipped, wasn't they? Um, yeah. so, so they were so close that year. Then he did really well at Celtic. And then for pretty much all of his Leicester time, he's done really well aside from this season. So I think, yeah, I think I would, I would err more towards him, but then I'm still got that back thing in the back of my mind that says doing it now is not the right thing to do. And that it should be at the end of the season. If it goes to the end of the season, then I'd still be, I'd still be tempted to, whilst I'd have Rogers as an option and Potter as an option, my preference would be for the likes of company or Carrick or, um, Celtics boss, they'd be still ahead of me than those guys because as I keep maintaining, I think West Ham need a manager that has a upward trend of their career that is going upwards, has done well at a job, moved on, done well, moved on, done well, moved on. Not one that's kind of f- fluttered between success and not not success. So they would be still my preferred choice regardless of these ones being available. Yeah, I think it's um it's a good point. It's definitely a good point. Um I mean, I would take either of them over David Moyes first and foremost, and I I personally think that it would be the right thing to do to do it now. Because the the thing is, you're not in a kind of do or die situation in terms of we're ten points away from safety. We are just a, a win or two that's, away. That's when I would do it, though, if we were in that situation. No, but then that's too late, X, I think. Because I then it, it's, but then you give him a chance. Yeah, but I think that's that's more of a gamble. Because I, I don't know, like, honestly, I think we're so suffocated under David Moyes in terms of the philosophy, the way he treats players, uh, how negative he is. 
I, I, I honestly, I, I just feel like as a club, we're crushed under his management, which sounds like quite a, an extreme term for his time at West Ham at the moment, but that's how I feel. And I just feel that there are so many managers, so many managers out there that could come in and just instantly make a difference by David Moyes not being there anymore. And just by giving the club a lift, we've got the players. We're in a luxurious position in comparison to a lot of our relegation rivals where we've got the players. So if you just have someone come in and just change some of the training, have one-to-ones, treat the players differently, build relationships with the staff, team bonding, you know, more enjoyable way of playing, then the players will do the job for you. And and I'm convinced that would happen with a hell of a lot of managers out there. But now we've got two options in in Potter and Rogers. I actually agree with you, by the way. I, I think I would lean more towards Brendan Rogers. I think if we did it now, we've got half a chance at actually having a half decent season. I know there's only what ten, eleven games left, but you know if if we could at least creep up to mid-table and win the Conference League under a new manager under a new era, then suddenly I think we become excited again as fans. And that's mm. what I think you'd get with a new manager, especially mm. one like Brendan Rodgers, who I would give my vote to out of the two, mm. personally. Um, but, but my concern is, whilst I think, and I must emphasise the word think, will probably stay up, I'm not convinced. And I think if we give David Moyes the end of the season, that's one hell of a gamble, much more of a gamble than replacing him with someone like Brendan Rodgers, for me. Yeah, I, I do see your point, definitely. And you make a, a good point. And I, I, I must admit, I am torn between the decision of keeping Moyes at the end of the season and like sacking today and replacing him by Rodgers, with Rodgers, um, uh, uh, and or with Potter as well. I do totally understand what you're saying there, but I just think... I just think, like, it, so in some ways, it could be good for also Rogers or whoever to take a break from football. Now, with what being only two months' time uh, till the end of the season, almost say to him, to Rogers, look, we don't know the future, but there's a strong chance we'll replace Moyes in the summer. If you can hold on till then, be thinking of what players you want, be thinking of what strategy you want to, you know, employ, like take on, which staff you're going to keep, all that sort of stuff. Have a, and then, and then at the end of the season, we'll, we'll see how Moyes is done, but there's a strong chance you'll take over because my, I totally get what you're saying. We probably would do better under Rogers, but, Again, and we're basing this on hypothetical scenarios. We don't know for certain that that um, that Rogers will be better than Moyes. I know everyone will say, "Of course he will," because it can't be any worse. But it's still not factual. Whereas what is factual is that we tend to just about as proven as uh, as recent as yesterday get grind out the victories when we need to just enough to stay up and ultimately we just have to stay up this season so I think it's a massive gamble to get rid of something that is almost I know it's not 100% proven because of course we can still go down but it's certainly more proven factually than bringing in another manager right now and I think if we can just stay up then we can make a decision in the summer and it just worries me a little bit if we did go right off you go on the back of a winner get an important win against Southampton off you go we're getting him in now I'd be almost tempted to play the Newcastle and Fulham game and then make the decision because I know that's two more games down the road but if we got battered in both of those then I think you can say right yeah just get him in now but if we won those or at least got a draw, you know, then it's just a tough one, mate. 
Yeah, everything's a gamble then for me. I mean, if you was to say to Brendan Rodgers, look, we'll, we'll take you at the end of the season, what if we go down? Because he wouldn't come to us then. No. And then you said yourself, Tottenham are sniffing around him. I'm not saying I'm not saying Chelsea would go at Brendan Rodgers, but Rodgers has got a great relationship with Chelsea. Because yeah. of that, that's they're potentially a threat. So why do we keep fucking waiting for the next game? We're close to 30 games into the season now. The football's shit. The players in my opinion, don't play for David Moyes. They play for themselves. I, I think they've lost all confidence in him. I actually think David Moyes has lost confidence in himself as a manager, which is yeah. quite sad to see. And that's why I think he is so negative, because I think he's scared of being positive, because mm. I don't think he believes himself as as a, as a top-level manager anymore. I think the staff have lost faith in David Moyes. I, 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 would, I would imagine that they, they think he should go. I don't think they're necessarily doing their job under him anymore. Uh, and there's just, if you look at pros and cons for keeping David Moyes, and again, it's all about opinions, I think there's a list as long as you're armed for cons. I'm not sure I can think of one pro X. I, I really don't. And I just think, you know, you've got options there, but you have to act quickly. If you don't, then we're going to be stuck in a potential ad from Grant scenario where it's too late. And then try attracting um, a decent level manager in the championship working for David Sullivan where you've lost pretty much all of your players because you can't afford to keep them and they don't want to be kept. That's one hell of a building structure that, especially when you're playing in a 66,000 seater stadium that's going to be half full at best. Uh, I, I think if we go down, depending on the budget that we would have to rebuild West Ham, suddenly I don't think we are attractive to come to. No, I don't we're not. I think we are now. I think we are now. I think if you're a manager looking at West Ham's squad and you look at the stadium and you look at potentially what could be agreed in the summer as a war chest and some of the players you'd keep, some of the players you'd lose, I think we're, we're very attractive because you could come in and instantly become a hero, X. If you play a better style of football, a more entertaining style of football, and you know you can get the best out of those players, fuck me, you only have to win your first two or three and then you, you're a hero. Mm. And I think that has to be done now. I really do, especially when there's options, because so far in this whole debate, that has been the debate. Well, mm. we can't do it now because who comes in? Well, you've got two answers there that will instantly do a better job than David Moyes, in my opinion. But if we if we hang around, we'll lose them. And then we're back to the debate of who comes in. And hopefully we're having that debate when we're not just being relegated, because that's the gamble. Yeah, it is. And you make a fair point, definitely. I totally understand what you're saying, definitely. But, you know, to play devil's advocate again, you're talking, we're both talking, and I'm saying the same as you about bringing in a manager that's just been sacked because they thought they were going to, he was going to relegate their team. So, you know, it's, yeah. we're saying, we're saying it's like, Easy, you know, Potter's sack from a, a club where he he spent the most amount of money out of all the leagues in Europe. I think I can't remember what his actual stat was, but he's like sent something like more money than the whole Serie A and the Liga put together um, since he's been manager, and and he can bring success. So, you know, I'm only playing devil's advocate here because I do think I would take Brendan Rodgers certainly, um, but it's it's just so. 
risky. I think getting rid of the manager right now when it looks like he'll keep us up. If you just go on what the league table says, the black and whites, that's the only statistics you have. You can talk about performances and the nature of the wins and all of that stuff, I know. But if you look at the black and the white of the league table right now, and it shows that West Ham are staying up. And if it can show that in 10 games time or whatever it is, I don't care if we're 17th or 12th or wherever, If we, that is what we've got to do. We've got to stay up. And the argument could be that with the staff we've got, the players we've got, this setup, we will stay up. And then in some ways, it's better for a new manager to start fresh in the pre-season and have this pre-season to work with the squad, get his players in, get his staff in, and, and rebuild from there. And then if that new manager doesn't work which is obviously still unproven. You've got time to then get rid of that manager and bring someone else in. Whereas if you bring in, say, Brendan Rodgers or Graham Potter and things get worse, I mean, I know you'd say they wouldn't, but again, that's the opinion. If the things get worse, you can't then sack Brendan Rodgers after four games if he loses all four of them. You know, so you'd almost be like in a worse situation. So it's really, really hard, mate. And ultimately, I can totally see your argument for bringing either of those in because you're right. There was never the argument. The argument always was. There's no one out there where there is now. Um, so that is very true. I just, I'm not saying I'm completely convinced keeping Moyes over those two is the right answer. I just know that it's a very big Big, big, big decision to now get rid of Moyes when we aren't in the relegation zone for two managers that have ultimately failed at their last job and may be on a downward spiral in their career now. They might have lost their confidence. You know, Brendan Rogers just lost to Crystal Palace when they were one new up in the last minute and he's just been sacked. You know, he was at one point seen as the next best manager, invincible. How much has that affected him? You don't you don't know. So yeah, it's a tricky I, one. I, I mean, I'm stating the obvious now, but I think it also comes down to the right man for the right club. I mean, if you take one of the most respected managers of all time in Brian Clough, he went to Leeds and, what, lasted two months? Something like that? Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but that didn't make him a bad manager. It just meant that he was the wrong fit for Leeds at that time. David Moyes got relegated with Sunderland came to West Ham afterwards and done a fantastic job. Mm. And, and I just think a lot of this would come down to the interviewing process. You know, Sullivan sits down with them and, and who impresses him more, who ticks more boxes as to someone he wants to work with and what their plans would be for West Ham. You know, yeah. how much would they want to rebuild? Could they work with the current set of players? And then, do you know what? I'm not sure David Sullivan has this relationship with the players, but if I was to own West Ham, I would go through that process and I would call a team meeting and put it out there to the players, speak openly and yeah. say, look, this is the choices that we have. Who would you like to play for? Mm, knowing, yeah. knowing them as you do, um, whether you've seen interviews with them, whether you've got mates from other clubs that will tell you the pros and cons of working for him. Who do you want to play for? And then I would yeah, go down that good approach. point. Um, yeah. Because again, X, we come down to, you know, 18 months of poor performance now. And we have got, like I say, a list as, as long as my arm now of, of cons for keeping David Moyes. Even if it doesn't go as well as we would have hoped with Brendan, Brendan Rogers immediately, guaranteed, if we reviewed it after five to 10 games, the, the list of cons for keeping Brendan Rogers would be a quarter of what it currently is for David Moyes. So it's risk for, versus reward. I just don't see how it can be any worse under a lot of managers, but especially the pedigree of someone like Brendan Rodgers. I think he'd, he'd come and do a great job. Would he be my number one pick? If we were now in the summer and we'd just stayed up, would he be my number one pick? Arguably not. 
But I'll tell you what, if he got announced tomorrow as, as West Ham's manager under a three-year term, I would I would be really happy with that. Really happy with it. But yeah, I'm sure we're going to sit on it, and I'm sure we're going to keep David Moyes until the end of the season. Um, and another point I would make, and we made this on last week's show, and yes, the, the, the ifs, buts, maybe, should he, would he, coulda um, argument is there. David Moyes should, should be categorically winning that conference league. I've got my doubts as to whether he actually will. If we got a manager in tomorrow and and Brendan Rodgers was in charge, I think we would. I think we would win it. He should win it and then he would. David Moyes should win it and I'm not sure he will because he hasn't he hasn't been tested in that competition yet. Mm. Well, <laughs> the only reason we are in that competition where we are right now put in a position where we should win it is because of David Moyes. True, I but you said it yourself, you can't live on past glories. He was brilliant. No, I said that to be sarcastic. But it's true though. It's no, true, no, no. you can't well, even pod. He's been brilliant for West Ham, David Moyes, but the time has come where he is no longer brilliant. Jose Mourinho lost his job at, at Tottenham, one of the greatest managers of all time. Sometimes, regardless of what you've done in the past, you reach a point where it's not working anymore. I and think, we, we reached that point a while ago with David Moyes. I think what you said about speaking to the players is a really good point. To go back to that, I think that that is a good point. And I think... I think <laughs> If I'm brutally honest, I think probably uh, this is not, not entirely factual. I'm talking of a small survey here. From what I would know, I would think that some would probably encourage it. Um, certainly the ones that perhaps haven't been necessarily in favour since Moyers has been the way he has in recent weeks. Um, so I think they probably would favour it. I think they probably would go Brendan Rodgers and then immediately that gives the players a boost because if you feel like they're being if they feel like they're being listened to like if the chairman's taking the time to go through and maybe ask the you know the 20 most senior players at the club who they would like and they've gone with a majority and the majority is to bring Brendan Rodgers in well whatever that majority is it's got to be more than 10 so at least 10 players are going to be really really happy with that um with that decision so immediately you boost their confidence so I think that is a very good point of speaking to the players and speaking to maybe the, well, then you then you run the risk of if they turn around and say, um, actually, you want to keep David Moyes? It's blatantly going to get back to David Moyes that David Sullivan's had that conversation. No, because I'll tell you what you do. I'll tell you what you do in that scenario because what is actually more in, a more important conversation to have with those players, more important than who would you like to play for, is a conversation in private. Again, imagine I'm the owner of West Ham. I'd go down to them. I'd give them all a piece of paper. And I would say, you write on that paper, yes or no, and you anonymously post it in this box, do you want David Moyes at this football club? And well, if it's an overwhelming... He's going to still know that you've done that, though, isn't he, the chairman? Yeah, but, yeah, but, I, mean, yeah, but, I mean, the manager, sorry, the manager. Yeah, but, yeah, but he's never going to know which players backed him and which players didn't. I know, but the fact that you've got out and asked those players, that is quite undermining, isn't it? Imagine yeah, but, if you... Uh, we're so ma- signing Danny Ings without him even fucking knowing about it. We're, we're already there, X. We're already having these yeah. conversations about undermining him because the, the bottom line is, whether you agree with it or not, whether the board should have signed Danny Ings and undermined him like they did... The fact that they are undermining him speaks volumes. They've, they, they've had to undermine him. They, they've felt, they have felt like they've had to take matters into their own hands. And when you get to that level, something isn't right. And I would, I, I'm sorry, I would, I would be, it's, it's, if it's my football club and the potential financial catastrophe of being relegated is staring me in the face, I'd be doing everything I can 
to make sure I protect this football club. And if that involves going behind the manager's back when the chips are seriously down and having these open, honest conversations with the players who are ultimately responsible for delivering on the football pitch, then I'd do it. Mm. I mean, I'd have that anonymous conversation as to whether he should be here or not. And then I would have that conversation as to what manager would you like to play for? Because these are, these are the options, lads. Who do you want? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a fair point. And I mean, these sackings, actually, you know, the Leicester and Chelsea one have a, have indirectly caused us a bit of a problem, but maybe a positive yeah. problem. But yeah. they have actually caused us a problem because if they weren't available now, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We'd be talking about how West Ham just won, how we're out of the relegation zone, and hopefully we can build on it for Newcastle, and it'd be positive. But because these two managers are now available, it's almost put another negative that, well, actually, they're better than Moyes. We still need to get rid of Moyes, even though he's won his last game. So it's not great timing at all, really, in some respects. I mean, you could argue it's great timing because it means you've got options, but in some ways it's not. And I definitely understand your points. And like you know, as I've always said, I, I, Brendan Rodgers was the guy I wanted as manager when I can't remember when he was last linked to us. I, it must have been maybe when we got Pellegrini, maybe, I don't know. But whenever it was, he was the manager that I wanted. And my only worry is that they might already be lined up. I mean, if Tottenham want Rodgers or Chelsea went Rodgers, he's going to go there, isn't he? I mean, over West Ham, let's be honest. And if Leicester want Potter, and this is a question that comes up in our section, so don't answer whether we're more appealing than Leicester or not. But if, mm. if Potter comes up now, Leicester might move really quickly and get him appointed. Um, mm. and it, might, it might be nothing we can do about it. And if it comes out that we've approached Rogers and Potter and they've turned us both down and then David Moyes and the players know about that, that could do more harm than just getting on with Moyes to the end of the season. Mm. Yeah. And it's an interesting debate. It really is. But it, it would break my heart if we could have had Brendan Rogers, for example, and then he goes on to another club and smashes it and yeah. we've missed that opportunity and, and we've, just been relegated under David Moyes because yeah, I mean, these I've... are actually realistic scenarios we're talking about here. It sounds oh, yeah. extreme. That could happen, and this yeah. is the gamble, and that's what it is. It's a gamble. And you I find it's more, and it wouldn't be, in my opinion. No, and I find it really hard because I've spent most of the the last few weeks trying to offer a case of defence for David Moyes, with a large part of the defence being I don't know who you would bring in instead of him. Well, now I've as someone trying to make that argument, I have got a real tough dilemma myself because actually Brendan Rodgers is someone that I've always admired. As I said, he wouldn't be my top three choice regardless of whether he'd been sacked by Leicester or not. Um, but he would still be someone I would definitely consider the same as Potter. So now myself trying to defend David Moyes, I've got to ask myself, do I think Brendan Rodgers is a better long-term manager than David Moyes? And in some ways, I think he is. In some ways, if I, if I, if it was literally a blank, canvas and I was to have a new team tomorrow that's it's the start of the season and you know it's start pre-season there's no history I'm going on there's no past records at West Ham and I'm offered David Moyes or Brendan Rodgers I think I would take Brendan Rodgers but it's but it's the it's the risk of upsetting something which I think will ultimately keep us up for something that probably will be better. It probably will. Like the the percentage chances are probably ninety five percent that it will be better under Brendan Rodgers. But there's still that maybe this is why I'm overly cautious. But there's still that five percent where it could be worse. And if it's worse than what it is now, then we we're hundred percent going down. Whereas at the moment, I don't think we'll go down, and that's the massive dilemma. 
Interesting. Well, we've got a busy week this week. It's a busy month, actually, but uh, this week we've got Newcastle at home and Fulham away. How many points do you think we'll get from those games? Um, it's tough. Uh, five. I think we might draw the next two. I think we might draw against Newcastle and draw against Fulham. How the fuck are we going to walk away with five points in? Because we had three against Southampton. So what games? Oh, you're including Southampton. Yeah, sorry. So two then, <laughs> two from the next two. Right. Okay. Would you be happy with that? I think so because they're not losses. The, the league is so close down there that a point does make a, a difference. As just, certainly, just two of them. I, you never know. See, I think I actually think we could win both of them. I actually think we can, but I'm trying to be realistic. I think Newcastle are obviously the better team than Fulham. That's state of the obvious, but we're at home and we're much better at home than we are away. The stats are there. We've just won a game at home, and yes, we didn't win it convincingly, but we did. We played well against Newcastle at St James's Park. You know, you and I were there. I think we could have mm. won that game. Um, so in mm. theory, if we can play like that again, then um, then we could beat them. And Fulham, Fulham have had a good season. Season, but they've obviously just lost um, at the weekend. They've got no no Mitch. They've lost to Bournemouth as well. They've got no Mitrovic. He's suspended. Who is by far their most dangerous player? Um, we always tend to do well at Fulham. In my head, I mean, I don't know what the statistics are, but in my head, I've seen West Ham win at Fulham a couple of times. So, I mean, we could come out with six points. You just never know how we're going to perform. But I actually don't think we'll lose those games so whether we'll win them or draw them I can't say but I don't think we'll lose them mm. well I think we'll lose against Newcastle in my opinion because I think they're, they're really having a push now there's still so much to play for from their perspective as well I do think they're a good side I think Eddie Howe's done a brilliant job there they've just on the back of a fantastic result against Man United I think they're, they're going to be buzzing and I think they're going to see we're standing there for the taking personally so as much as it pains me to say oh, I don't think we're going to get anything from there I do think we have more of a chance against Fulham, but I think I think we'll draw that game. So I'm going to call one point from the next two, which I think would be disappointing. But that's uh, as I see it. <laughs> You're right, though. You never know. You do never know with West Ham. If we if we come away with six points from both games, I've seen stranger things over there. I really have. Uh, so, and what, uh, and what would you so. say? Like, obviously, I don't want to get into a massive debate over this because we've done this quite a lot recently. But if we picked up six points from Newcastle and Fulham, regardless of the performance, okay, let's just say yeah. we're absolutely dreadful, but we nick both games, one nil, say, for argument's sake, where do you stand with Moyes at that point? Nine points out of games if I'm um, brutally if I'm brutally honest with you X if we comfortably finish 12th I would still move David Moyes on if we won the conference league I'd still move him on because okay. I genuinely do believe that he's taken us as far as he can take us and uh, and I think if we was to get six points from those two games and Brendan Rodgers was still available and interested I would sack him after the Fulham game having just won three out of three <laughs> okay, I, I, t- I know I totally understand I'm not laughing at your your argument because I understand it's in line with what you've been saying all, all along well certainly for the last couple of months but it just seems ridiculous doesn't it oh, it West does Ham, it three does. games and it then does. you sack your manager it does and but then, but then, the, yeah I mean I, I know you're of the Europa League as well I, mean, I know the league. It, it is I mean it is when you look at it on paper and you take that scenario it, it would be because we've got to a European Cup and he's won it let's say and then he's just won three in the bounce to, to then sack your manager on paper is crazy. But again, we are talking hypothetical because in my mind, realistically, I don't think we are going to get six points. And if, mm. and if, if we do, 
I think it'd be more luck than judgment. Because again, we farted past Southampton, didn't we? Let's be honest. They're bottom of the league. It wasn't a great performance at all. And actually, David Moyes' poor management goes back 18 months now. So to then realistically think he's going to win three out of three when we're actually in a bit of a diabolical situation despite the players that he's got is is hypothetical and it is, in my opinion, unrealistic. So I, I, I would, I would, yeah, I would still get rid of him, especially if Rogers or, or Potter was available, but Rogers especially, definitely. Mm. Right, let's see what X has for us this week. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.